Well, uh, once again, welcome. It is hard to believe we're at our last uh, sermon in our Back to Basics series, which as we've talked about means we're back to school. And I know some of you aren't excited for that, but it's going to be okay. We'll survive it. Um, but we, we did this series because we said, and, and I think some of you are like me, I hope some of you are like me, summers get a little bit crazy and, and things get kind of out of sorts and our lives get turned upside down and our habits and rituals also get a little bit off course. And, and I think that sometimes means our spiritual life, right? Our walk of Jesus, those habits, those, those rituals that we had of, of following him, they get a little bit off kilter. And so we've talked about the importance of prayer and just really getting back into praying to the Lord daily and how it's an open line of communication, asking not for what we necessarily want, uh, but for what we need to fulfill God's mission. We talked about scripture and the importance of it and how it's all God breathed, every last word of it, and it can be trusted and it's true and it's profitable for us as Christians. Last week, we talked about confession. We make mistakes, and we sin, and we mess up, and that hurts one another, and it damages our relationship with God. And confession is healing. Not that it saves us, but, but it allows us to unburden our souls to God and to one another and heal those relationships. This morning, we're going to be talking about, as you can guess, a service. Uh, with that said, I'm going to uh, pray, and then we're going to dive into it. Will you go to the Lord with me in prayer? Lord God, as we talk about service, I cannot help but think about your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the amazing example he set for us. God, the way that Jesus loved others so intimately, I think about the woman at the well. Uh, God, I, I think about the disciples, uh, everyone around him, God. He was compassionate. He loved God, not only that, but he served in the ultimate way. He gave himself away for others. And he is the true North Star, North Star guiding us through a dark and, and weary night and a broken world, God. God, I pray, God, help us to be more like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to lead like Jesus, and really to give ourselves away to others as Jesus did. God, I thank you for his example and the gospel that you've given to us. And I thank you for your love for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, service, the, the big idea, here's where we're going this morning. God has created us, me, you, with good works in mind. At the very least, our, our purpose here on this earth is to serve other people and to fulfill God's plan for us. And God is faithful and will give us the opportunities and the resources necessary to make a difference wherever we are. That's the truth. That's the reality. Truth be told, we could probably go on with this basic series for six months. I mean, we've just scratched the, uh, the talking about prayer and scripture and confession and service. And, and, and we could go on for a long time, but we're not. Um, but I pray that this time that it was profitable for you, talking about uh, the rhythms of, of Jesus as we commit to him. And I pray that our time together over the past two weeks will serve uh, not as an end point, but really as a starting point. 
as you spend future time exploring other topics, uh, maybe like Sabbath, giving, communion, or going deeper into the topics we've discussed. What I've done for you, because I feel like it is important for me to resource you as your pastor, is I have put this in your bulletin. This is a list of books that will help you to go deeper into the subjects we have discussed. Um, I, I want to empower you to, to learn about these things more. After all, Jesus says we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And how else do we love God more deeply than reading his word and good books on the Christian life and theology? How do we know what he wants? what he de desires for us, what he's like, if we do not read and read well. So I have given you that last list to go deeper into your faith. One thing I know for sure, spending time with Jesus is profitable. And as we've already discussed, uh, prayer and scripture are things we need to be, be committing to on a daily basis. And we're not committing to it just because it's some ambiguous uh, religious checklist that we have to check off so God's not mad at us. That's not what it is. But it's because that's where Jesus is. That's where we learn more about him. That's where we reconnect with our Savior and King. That's where we get the fuel to do what I'm going to talk about today, to serve other people. It's knowing Jesus more intimately through the power of the Holy Spirit. And serving others, trading our time and treasure so that others may experience the love of Christ is what we're going to talk about. It is kingdom-minded service. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want to give you a chance to answer. What comes to your mind when you think about serving other people? What, what comes to your mind? Just raise your hand. You can shout it out, too. Go ahead. Making food for people. Okay, that's a great one. What else? What comes to your mind when you think about serving other people? Babysitting. I don't want to do that, but God bless you. It's not my thing. What, what else? What else comes to your mind when you think about serving others? Yeah, you get, a, you get a bunch of trees down in someone's property coming in and helping. We, we got any more? Yeah, go ahead, Sam. Vocation. The way God has gifted you to work is serving your community. Work is worship. That, I mean, that's great. That's great, Sam. I should give you a, a quarter for that. Um, those are all, but those are all seriously really, really, really good answers. What, what comes to mind to me is um, when I was 17, I went on a bump trip, which is just an acronym for Bridging Urban Mission Project. I went with a bunch of teenagers to uh, the middle of downtown Chicago, and, and we put on a VBS. We served inner city kids. We shared the gospel. We did some service projects. It was amazing. And it, it left a, a lasting impact on me, but it also, I think, left a lasting impact on the community. Some of those kids uh, that we touched, families that we reached out to. See, part of what's so amazing about service, serving God, is that it affects those who serve as well as the ones being served through the love of Christ. I imagine many of you, now you're, you're simply, you're thinking, you know, giving money towards a cause or maybe a service project, those are great things. Um, going on a missions trip is another wonderful avenue for service. But truth be told, there are hundreds of ways we can serve others in our community and around the world. While it might be a beneficial use of our time, I'm not going to list them all today, don't worry. What we're going to do today is we're going to get at the biblical heart the reason, the, the motivation, the fuel behind serving others. We're going to look at what motivates our actions to do that. 
which I believe in the long run will serve us all the more greatly than just the bullet points of opportunities. So where do we start when we talk about service? Well, I think we start here. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Now, how many of you remember these? <laughs> right? I was an 80s, 90s kid. I had one of those as well as a bowl cut and baggy jeans. Right? What would Jesus do? Fifth grade me wore one of those all the time. Sixth grade, I think I had it too. Um, just hang with me for a few minutes here. This phrase, what would Jesus do, which WWJD stands for, it's just the letters of it, actually goes back a long time, hundreds of years, and was employed by my favorite preacher, Charles Spurgeon. So it's not exactly a new idea. But going back to the bracelets with me for just a moment. The bracelets began as a grassroots movement in the 90s in a youth group in Holland, Michigan. The youth pastor is trying to figure out simple ways to help her students remember that little phrase. I think little, little did she know that these bracelets would become a worldwide phenomenon. They were practically in every country. And they sparked, I think, an entire generation in some ways to consider what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And as I reconsidered that phrase as I was uh, uh, writing the sermon, I was uh, struck by Matthew 20, 28, which says this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man is Jesus' favorite phrase for himself. So we're talking about Jesus. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the second person of the triune Godhead uh, who deserves all glory and worship and honor and praise, created all the universes, sustains them, uh, oversees all of human history. That Jesus, he came to not be served, but to serve. To serve. To serve others. He could have come and demanded that, uh, that he gave, give us nothing, but that's not what he did. He came and he traded his life, his energy, his time, everything he had uh, so others, so you and I, people like us, could experience abundant life in Jesus, true life. In our case, giving us eternal life. He gave everything away is how he served. And as we follow him, what would Jesus do? Our example, we want to learn to live like him. We are called to model the Lord Jesus, to give our lives away like the Lord Jesus did, like, like, like he did, so others can experience abundant life. Now, Jesus answers many of the objectives throughout the Gospels of, of why I, I can't do it. Some people in the Gospels, they think, you know, what, what about people I don't like? Do I have to serve them? Well, Jesus says, love your enemies. Matthew 5, 44, pray for those who persecute you. Well, what about my neighbor? Like, who, who is my neighbor? I think Jesus would refer us probably to the parable of the Good Samaritan where Jesus told us what, what being a neighbor looks like and serving those who we don't even like necessarily or have commonality with. The ultimate example of what it means to be a neighbor, Luke 10, 25 through 37. Okay, well, Pastor, what about my day-to-day -day living, right? I get busy, I have bad days, I have a hard time. Uh, what if I simply can't function in doing anything meaningful for another person? 
A couple things come to mind here. First, uh, Jesus told the apostle Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul says he's going to boast even in his weakness. Even in the reason uh, to give God all the glory. So on the one hand, we are to be confident that even in our weakness and inability to serve God and others, God can use even what we have to offer, even if it's a little bit. The truth is you can do simple things to serve other people. You can send a nice text message. Simple. Make that phone call to that person who you haven't seen at church for weeks and you're wondering what's going on. Is there something wrong? Call them up. Tell them you love them and care about them. If you have access to the internet, you can send an email. There are numerous avenues available through technology to serve others. There's no excuse not to serve other people in our community. We're without excuse. There's no reason that we have in Scripture to not serve others. We have every reason to serve. The second thing that comes to mind is something the Apostle Paul says in his second letter to the Corinthians. He says this. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And he goes on, he says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Full disclosure, Paul's definitely talking about money in this passage, but that's not where I'm going. Um, but I don't want to mislead you. That, that's, I think, his primary motive in mind. But I think this principle applies to serving others as well. Every good work you see at the end of the passage. Here's the thing. I believe sowing and, and reaping are godly principles that play out in many different areas of our lives. And I know for a fact God loves a cheerful giver, but I will bet, too, that God loves a cheerful server. He does. And I know he will give us all we need so that in every situation we can abound in every good work. The prophet Hosea says this, talking to the nation Israel, who has not followed God's law, which primarily talks about loving the Lord and loving neighbor. They have completely and utterly failed, which is why they're in exile. And Hosea says this to Israel. He says, sow for yourself righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Sow for yourself righteousness. What does that mean? Righteousness is right living. He's thinking about the law. When he's talking about righteousness, one of the things he's thinking about is loving your neighbor, doing good deeds for your neighbor, serving your neighbor, living uprightly with God. Sow for yourself righteousness in your life and you will reap steadfast love, breaking up that hard ground in your heart. For it's time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. That's the economy of the kingdom of God. It's bountiful. It's plentiful. And even when you don't feel like you are enough or have enough, God works through you as you offer yourself as a living sacrifice in his service. Romans 12, 2, Paul says. 
So I have to ask you the question this day, and I want you to think in your mind as you go throughout your week, what would Jesus do? What would he do when he brushes up against his neighbor? What would he do when he's talking to his coworker? What would he do when he's at the grocery store buying groceries? What would Jesus do? And remind ourselves, he would and he did offer him very, his very self up for us. He gave himself up, full stop, to the work of the Father who sent him in this world to rescue us wicked, sinful people. Jesus loved us in the ultimate way. And we are called to follow his example, which is to serve boldly, generously, abundantly, and compassionately. Which leads me to my second point, which is this. Christian, you're made for more. You're made for more. You're made for more than just a mediocre life. Do you ever have the feeling uh, that, that your life is just mediocre and you're just, you're, you daydream escaping from it? What if that feeling is real? What if it's something deep inside you planted there by a divine creator of the cosmos? We aren't meant for a selfish, self-focused life. It makes us miserable as human beings. But when we focus on loving others, that is where we thrive. Turn with me to Ephesians 2.10. I'll put it up on the screens as well. It says this, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love this text. This is one I've memorized, tucked away in my heart. Do the same thing, memorize this, tuck it away in your heart and mind, make it your life verse. You are God's handiwork. Another version says you are God's workmanship. Another version says you are God's masterpiece. You hear that, sister, brother, Christian? You are God's masterpiece. Here's what Paul is getting at. If you are in Christ, God is crafting you exactly how he wants you to be through the Holy Spirit, the sanctification process. He's forming you into the image of the invisible God, as Paul says, and he has made you for a purpose. He's made you for a purpose, for his uses, Christian. Let me tell you something, too. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't make oopsies. He made you, brother, sister, you are crafted by God. You are his masterpiece, and he doesn't make mistakes. He has made you and gifted you exactly how he wants you to be. And what does he say he's made you for? That's right, the creator God, the perfect God of the universe created you in his image to do good works. And not just to do good works, but good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. All we're doing is walking in the good works through the leading of the spirit that God has prepared in advance for you to do. God's laid it all out and he's made you and he's gifted you to do it. You are created for more than mediocrity. You are created for good works, divine works in the kingdom of God that glorify God and bring you great joy. And there's so much of the kingdom life that is experienced on the other side of serving others. You have to, like the, like the gospel writer Luke, Luke says, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Or in other words, get to work that God has prepared for you. 
You have to get into it and try it. Start small if you have to. A donation, a, a simple loving text message. Start by donating food to the local food shelf. You can start by volunteering and serving here in kids ministry or singing on the worship team if that's where you're gifted or in hospitality. Just start somewhere. You are created for more than just thinking about yourself. I need this reminder in my own life from time to time. And let me say it this way. This is an easy way for us to rem remember this. And I forgot to put it up there. So you uh, weren't saved by good works. You were saved to do good works. You're not saved by good works. You're saved to do good works. You are actually, in fact, made for more than mediocrity. Which leads me to my third point, which is this. You're gifted to serve. You're gifted to serve. Not only are we designed by God to perform good works that he's prepared for us beforehand, but God has gifted you, if you are in Christ, through the Holy Spirit to serve God in his kingdom as he pushes that forward, conquering Satan, sin, and death, pushing back the kingdom of God, darkness, you are gifted to serve in God's kingdom. Look at what uh, the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now here, Peter, he's talking about how during the church age, we as the church have been gifted by God to serve him in this life. And I want us to notice a couple things here about spiritual gifts for service. First, I want to ask you, who has received a, a gift, spiritual gift? Who? Everyone. Everyone. As each Everyone has received a gift. If you're a Christian, if you're in Christ Jesus, God has given you a spiritual gift or gifts. It may be more than one. And he's, he's given those to you. He's, he's handed them. That's what a gift is. He, you don't have to give them anything back. He's gifted it to you. Each person has received at least one. Secondly, those gifts were given to serve others. That's the purpose. These spiritual gifts were given with the attention to serve other people in the church community and the community at large. They are given to us by God so we can be used by God as a witness of God to others. And these, these spiritual gifts, what they do is they show off God's love. They showcase his character, his qualities. And in general, they point others to him, giving God all the glory. Finally, we, we are to be good stewards of, of the gift that God is here, stewards of God's varied graces. In other words, we are to use these gifts well. We, we aren't to hold on to them and hoard them and keep them to ourselves, but we're to share them abundantly with those around us, to build them up. We are to steward them and use them well. They are, after all, a gift from God himself in order to empower us in ministry. There was a woman in my previous church, and I'm not going to use her name because I don't have permission to share the story. We'll call her Jane. And, and Jane, she was very passionate about children's ministry. And she always saw what was kind of wrong. She's very critical, what's not working right, um, uh, you know, what could be better, what we could do differently as a church. And she was always critical. She wasn't mean. She was just critical. She saw what was going on. But she wasn't serving in children's ministry. And I challenged her a couple different times. I said, you know, you need to serve there. I think you're gifted for that. And she didn't, and she didn't, and she didn't. And finally, one day, she did. And guess what? All that passion, 
all those things that she saw were wrong, and some of them were legitimate things that needed fixing. She started tackling those, and she just started going nuts, and she was loving on kids, and she was, she was doing a phenomenal job, and she was, she was kind of changing the culture, and she took her gift and put it into use. Instead of just being critical and just seeing all the things wrong, she said, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. And she did, and she made a huge difference, and the kids loved her. That's what happens when we take how God has gifted us and we apply it to our lives. As a church, I want us to take seriously how God has made you unique to serve in ministry. We have a lot of different areas available for you to use your spiritual gifts. You could be a Sunday school teacher. We go to the nursing home. Uh, you could serve there. You could serve in hospitality, helping with food and cleanup after events, prayer, serving during the worship service, to name a few. But what I want to talk about this is a spiritual gift inventory. In the back by where Jonathan is sitting, way back on the table there, there is a spiritual gift inventory. What is that? Well, some of you, you may not know what your spiritual gifts are. You may have never even heard that you have a spiritual gift through God. That survey you will go through and it will tell you where you are gifted. It'll show you exactly how God has designed you, where you are gifted, how he's made you, how he's put you together, what spiritual gifts you had, and how he's designed you to serve. Next to that sheet is a, a little sheet that talks about uh, what each spiritual gift is and how you kind of can use that gift in the kingdom of God. What I want you to do, what my challenge for you this week is to grab one of those. Fill it out. It takes 20, 25 minutes. It's not long. Fill it out. Grab the sheet that explains what your spiritual gifts are. And then I want you to take a picture of it. We can bring it in next week, make a copy of it. Um, I want you to keep a copy, and I want to take a copy. What I want to do is I want you guys to know where you are gifted spiritually and where as a church, how God has uniquely gifted us as a church in our location, how we can serve our community better. We're going to make those available for you through the next a few weeks so you can pick one up, you can fill it out, you can bring it back. After we've got most of them back, I'm going to talk about where our congregation is gifted spiritually and maybe how we can leverage some of those gifts to serve our community. And then you will know how you can also use your gifts to serve as well. So please uh, fill it out, uh, bring it back in, um, and uh, it, does, it doesn't take long, but I think it will be really insightful for you. Now, we've covered a lot of ground in the past few weeks. I, I, I get that. And again, I hope and pray that, that this isn't an end point, but it's a springboard, it's a starting point. And at the very least, I hope you find regular time to pray, to read God's word, to be confident in confessing your sin, and to use your gifts of service to serve one another. And finally, finally, that I hope trusting in, in Jesus, that when we serve, you will experience a, a, a deeper, more intimate relationship with God, a more full, a robust relationship with God, when you utilize your gifts and how God has made you to serve in his kingdom. As Christ has loved, we are to love. I want to just end with this verse, 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The life of faith is a marathon, not a journey. You don't have to do everything all at once. Start small and build on it. Just make sure you start somewhere today. Let's pray. 
God, I, I am always so humbled. God, that you would that you take us as as human beings, frail, finite, sinful people. God, and you adopt us into your family through faith. God, you make us your own. You claim us. You, you save us. You forgive us all of our sins through the, the shed blood of Jesus. And not only do you do that, God, but then you empower us with the Holy Spirit, sanctifying us. God, and then giving us a work and service to do in your kingdom as you push forward the kingdom of God in this world. God, that is so amazing to me. God, you gift us for that service intimately. God, even calling us your, your, your masterpieces. God, I'm so thankful for that. And, and I pray that each person here sees that in Jesus they are God's masterpiece. They're not perfect, but God is forming them into the image of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, gifting them to serve in his kingdom in this world. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.